I uh, this morning have a message that is somewhat related to Acts, but more in the in the uh, sense that it's 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 one of these things that we as a church of Acts, Acts being Acts of the Apostles, Acts being the book we find in the New Testament. But we're called to be that church. We're called to be a New Testament church, uh, the church of Acts. And uh, so we're going to touch on that slightly this morning, but God's been just working on me for a week now or so. It's, he uh, has dropped something into my heart, and I can't shake it loose, so I'm going to preach it out today. And it's one word, and the word is compassion. And, and, and so I've been hanging on to this word for a week and a half now, trying to figure out what is this? Why? What is this compassion? And, and so as I spent time this week studying it, it started to really make a lot of sense and why this is an important word for the New Testament church, for the church of Acts. Another thing that's been going on over the last month, maybe, or less, in my life, I don't know if you've been in this place where you just become very aware of your surroundings, like very tuned up, very, you notice everything going on around you. Sometimes you're kind of distracted by it. Well, that's been going on for the last couple of weeks where I, and it's, and it has to do with the people around me. And I'm not talking about you here at the church. You're thinking, well, what did you see me doing? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just being out in the public and just seeing things going on and being very aware of what I'm seeing. The other night, my son and I, we went to a movie and we're sitting in the theater and and down the row from us, I, I get this whiff of something, and I look over, and it's a wife and a husband, and they, she gets in her purse, and she pulls out their liquor, and they're pouring themselves a glass of whatever, and they kick back comfortably to watch the movie. And I thought, well, that's odd. I don't see that very often in the movie theater. And then, and then that's at the row next to us, and then the individual in front of us, the, the man, he had brought his, his teenage children with him, and, and he was just different. There was something going on there. It was laughing at the wrong parts of the movie, um, you know, and, and, and so I was just aware. And then I noticed halfway into the movie, a lady was going around asking people if she could sit next to him, and they would respond yes, and she would still move on to another person, and she, she was going around talking to people during the movie. I thought, this is just odd. And I don't know if this is normal, and this always goes on, and I'm just now saying it, but I thought, wow, this is odd. Well, we went out of town a week ago, and it was one of those things, I'm an adventurer. I, if, I, if, if, if life is just always the same, I tend to get really anxious. And so I need an adventure every now and again. And, and so we had some time off, and it was our anniversary, but it also was Father's Day. So I thought, well, well, we'll go on an adventure. And the reason that was a hesitation there is because my family doesn't like the adventures I like so much. But they were very lovingly tagging along. Right, Caleb? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I just tagged along. So we got in the car and we just drove. And I didn't know. I had an idea we were going to head up north along the coast. We got into Fort Bragg and I went to a hotel room. There was no hotel room, hotel room available there. And she said, good luck finding one. And so I thought, well, let me call up north and see if there's something available. And I called and there was. And uh, it was another two-hour drive. 
So that night we get in the hotel, and it was an interest. It was again, it was interesting. It's a hotel that we went to on our honeymoon 26 years ago. It's a historic place. It was built in the 1800s. It's beautiful. That's a little bit snobby. Um, we were thinking, well, we're hungry. Let's get dinner. And so we were looking at. Dina happened to remember something from the last time we were there, and so I was looking, and they, they said, um, we want you to feel comfortable in our dining room, so we encourage casual elegant as dress. Well, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and so then I, I read a little further, and casual elegant was, please no shorts or hats, and I look over at my son, and he's wearing shorts and a hat. I thought, well, that, that... So then all of a sudden, we were immediately uncomfortable, so we decided, well, we packed a picnic lunch in an ice chest in the back of the car, so we uh, snuck food in the back door into our room, and that's where we ended up eating. But before we did that, we drove up to a town, and we're driving through this little town looking for a restaurant, and it just seemed odd. Everywhere we looked, it looked like there was a, it was full of wayfarers, wanderers, uh, homeless folks just wandering all over the town. Everywhere I looked, I was like, wow, they're, they're everywhere. Not that that's wrong so much. It just was odd to me. And so we're driving around, and the restaurants are all closing, and I'm thinking, well, this just isn't going to work. We'll go pack our lunch into our room. So we're, we're starting to uh, figure a way to get out of the town, and I happen into a, 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 cor- a courtyard area to drive by it. I'm looking, and there's drug deals going on, and there's people just standing around. And this is all right there. I mean, it's very apparent, very obvious. Wow, I just want to get out of this town and get back to the hotel. And so as I was heading back, I found out I was going the wrong way. And so it was like I could not get out of this town because it took me to a U-turn that turned me right back around into the town. I was just, I was like, what is going on? I just want to get out of here. I even said that, I think, to the family. I just want to get out of here, but I'm stuck. But I was just so aware of what was going on in these people's lives. And it was just odd. And, I, and to me, I just called it weird. I, I didn't know what it was. But then this last week, this is what was going on, is God was birthing within me this heart of compassion and mercy for these people. I thought, well, God, I don't, why, why should we have such a heart and compassion of compassion and mercy for these people? Why, why is that for us? And, and it, was, it was almost audible. He says, it's because that's what I did for you. So I, I shared this, I think, recently this week. I, and I've shared this with you all before, that there was a period of time where I said, God, give me eyes to see people as you see them. And he wrecked me at that point in time. Because when you stop and see people as he sees them, you will begin to have such a heart of compassion and mercy for them that you won't be able to shake it free. And that's exactly where he wants us as a church. That's exactly where he wants you as believers, is in a place where you have such a heart for people and his creation that you can't help but to love on them and to serve them. I love the song of the Lord this morning because how do we serve him? We minister to our loved ones. We minister to those that we come in contact with. Another story that we have, we had an, a thing going on at Fourth and Hope, and I was trying to help them kind of navigate through this situation with a person that we were serving. 
And, and it was chaotic, and it was messy, and, and we knew it was one of those situations where we knew what needed to be happened, but there was legal things that prevent you from getting there, which is frustrating because, you know, I know if we can just do this, this would be the right thing for the individual, but legally it's hard to get there. So I said, can I just meet with them? And I, I sat in the office, and I sat across from the individual, and I just looked in their eyes, and I said, can you understand this one thing? Regardless of what you've heard, what, regardless of what you think is true, know this, we care for you. When was the last time somebody did that for you, sat down and looked you in the eyes and said, I care for you? I don't care about all the other stuff, but I care for you. That's what happened when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. I am going to die here for them regardless of what they know. I'm going to do it because I have compassion for them on such a level that I just want to see them whole again. I want to see them united with my father again. That's what I've been experiencing over the last week and a half in this area of compassion. I thought, well, how does this fit in the book of Acts? You go to Acts chapter 6, is about where we would have been. And in there, these people are rising up. The the disciples are out preaching and they're teaching and God's adding to the church by the hundreds daily. And, And people are being healed and lives are being changed. And then these individuals rise up and say, hey, but what about the widows? You guys are bringing all, everything you have together in common and you're doling it out as there is need. But there, there's these people that aren't being served. There's the widows and the, and the fatherless that aren't being served. We need to help them. And so, so they said, okay, well, we need to do that. We, we can't stop preaching. We can't stop teaching. We have to do that. So we're going to select people to go out and actually do that so the needs are being met. That is church. That is the New Testament church. That is what we're to be. We're, going, we're, we're to continue in the preaching and in the teaching and in the healing and proclaiming who he is. But we're also to rise up and help one another. It's not one or the other. It's all. And we're supposed to do it with great compassion and mercy because of the mercy and compassion that he has us. I was sharing with uh, some staff the other day that what sets us apart as Christians and as individuals is our ability to remain compassionate in times when it seems like compassion cannot win. How many times have you helped somebody and they throw it back at you and they never really benefit from the help that they've been provided? Is there, is there people in your life where you've become very jaded? You know what that means? That I, I can't, this individual or these types of people, and we'll stereotype people, right, don't we? The, these stereotypical type people, I, I just can't love them anymore. That's not the heart of Christ. That's a jaded heart. And my encouragement to, to, this, to staff at that point was, regardless of what they've ever done back in return to your gift of compassion and mercy, you still must show compassion and mercy. Compassion and mercy is this, what I call, it's this slippery substance that breaks this inertia that has them stuck where they're at, and it helps free them up so they can move towards freedom, move towards hope. But without compassion, without mercy, they'll continue stuck in that place. In some ways, we stick them there and keep them there. But compassion and mercy, because it's uncommon in the world today, but it's, it is the essence of who Christ is. 
Compassion and mercy is what allows people to embrace hope, to embrace a future, a future full of purpose, full of design, full of joy. That's, that's what we're called to do. Lamentations 3.23. We'll start in verse 22. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Why do we come to church on Sunday morning and worship? Why do we wake up in the morning with a song in our heart? Why, why is he the first thought in our mind or, or should be daily? It's because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Never ceases. His mercies never come to an end for you. I want you to stop and consider not the mercy and compassion that you need to have for others, but stop and consider the mercy and compassion that you need from him. Have you ever been in a tough place? Have you ever had a hard time? Anybody? Financially? Maybe with your job? Maybe, maybe in your housing situations? Maybe with family? Maybe your, your own behavior has put you in a bad place? What's deserved at that point? I once shared with somebody very close to me that... that God's love will never forsake you. God's love will always be present for you. God's love will always be close. But mistakes in life do come with consequences, and you walk out those consequences. He doesn't always protect you from the consequences. But the minute you decide that I'm going to focus my thoughts back on him, that's when his mercies and compassion step in and in many ways will remove us from the circumstances that we deserve. So have you ever been in that place where you deserved much worse than you actually got? His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. Every morning you wake up, the, the, yesterday is gone. It's a new day. I can walk in all these new mercies again. I was sharing with a we were visiting the other day with a brother and talked about this video series. I watched that video the other night called Holy Ghost, and it wasn't the video I thought I had seen. And what it was, it's this, this filmmaker went out and was following uh, people around and just seeing the Holy, letting God really direct the film and seeing the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of people. It's amazing. I recommend it. It's awesome. And, and what I saw in that is people just, regardless of their belief in Christ or not, they were going up to individuals and just letting them and helping them encounter the Holy Spirit. It wasn't they had to conjure up the Holy Spirit. They didn't have to say, check the box and say, I believe I'm a Christian. The Holy Spirit's with us now. He's available to us now. He's in this room with us now. He wants you to understand that he's with you everywhere all the time. Why? Because he's merciful and he's compassionate. He's not going to forsake you. He's always going to be with you. His mercies are new every day. I, it, it, watching it the other night, I was telling Dean, I, 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 was, I went to bed all wired. I couldn't get sleep. I was saying, well, I, I can't wait for church. Why? Because I had this anticipation that, that we can encounter that now. It's not something that we can we just dream of and say that was nice and maybe we can conjure up something and make it happen again. No, the Holy Spirit's here. We sang a song about how powerful 
The Lord Almighty is. He is. And so all these people that we see as God presents their faces to us and we see that they're hurting and they're struggling or they're confused or they're lost and they have need, the Holy Spirit is real for them and is real for us and he wants to see their lives changed and set back on track again. Lamentations goes on further down and it says, For the Lord will not cast off forever. He won't forsake us. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion According to what? The abundance of his steadfast love. The, the, we've got lots of time. Good. Let me go to Luke chapter 1, verse 78. It says, Because the tender mercies of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. According to Scripture, God's mercy and compassion cannot be earned by human beings. Instead, God bestows mercy upon whomever he chooses. Mercy is not something you earn. Just like uh, doing things, conjuring up things, does not make the Holy Spirit more powerful or less significant. The Holy Spirit exists. The Holy Spirit is real for you now. God's mercy and compassion is available for you now. Not because, and, and you don't have to beg for it, you don't have to ask for it. He gives it to you as he so chooses. What do you do? You receive. You have to receive his mercies. Mercy and compassion is not earned but given. Romans 9, 14 says, What shall we say then? Is there injustice in God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills. I found a story in my studies that I would like to read to you this morning. It's of a man uh, by the name of, well, if I can find his name. Anyhow, it's a preacher, and it's an old Old story. Let me read it to you. One night I was preaching in one of the suburbs of Chicago, and when I gave out the invitation, an an enormous man rose to his feet. He weighed 290 pounds. I thought to myself, you have caught a big fish tonight. After the meeting was over, I went down and sat beside him and walked to him, or and talked to him. He said, let me tell you how I came to accept Christ tonight. I have been a churchgoer all my life. But I only went to criticize, and when men got up in the prayer meeting to talk, I, I took out a little notebook, which I kept, and wrote down what they, what they said, and then kept tab on them during the week to see how their life agreed with their profession. So I, I came to say to myself, all Christians are hypocrites. My heart became as hard as a stone. I was perfectly indifferent. Some months ago, I was taken very ill, and the doctor said I must die. But I was not at all afraid to die. I had become so hardened by the criticism of professors of religion that even death had no terrors for me. But one day a retired minister came and asked if he might pray for me. I said, yes, you can pray for me if you want to. I have no objection. If it will do you any good, it won't hurt me any. Yes, pray if you want to. If you will enjoy it, it won't disturb me. 
He knelt down beside my bed and began to pray. And I watched him out of the corner of my eyes. I was keeping tab on him to see if he was real. I thought I was dying, but I was not a bit frightened. I was perfectly callous and hardened. But as I lay there watching him out of the corner of my eyes, I saw a tear rolling down his cheeks. I said to myself, there is this man, a perfect stranger to me, with no possible interest in me. And yet he is weeping over my sins and my lost condition. That broke my heart. That is why I'm here tonight. That is why I got up and asked for prayers. That is why I have taken the Lord Jesus. I tell you, you will win more men and women by your tears than you will win by your arguments. You will win more men and women by your tears than you will ever win by your arguments. Church, we're called to be a compassionate people. As we receive mercy and compassion, so ought we to give. This is a day and an era where people are questioning what's right and what's wrong, and in some ways we don't even know the differences. We ought to know because we can clearly have it well defined for us in His Word to us. But this is a day where the people that have needs and have hurts and these lost and the ones that just seemed odd to me even as I walked out my life the last week and a half, they need to know Christ. But sometimes they can't find Christ because they can't see past the Christian. This man couldn't find Christ because he couldn't see past the hypocrite, the Christian that he had become to know as as being Christ-like. That's not the Christ we know. The Christ we know is the same one that gave you great compassion and mercy for your life. When you did not deserve it, he died for you. When, when you failed yesterday and you woke up again this morning, his mercies were new again this morning. This is where my heart's at. If we are going to be the New Testament church, then we must be a compassionate people, boldly compassionate, boldly merciful. Now, there is a the reason I hesitate, because in my mind, I think, well, there's this, what is... There's, there's love and there's tough love. And where's the line in tough love? You don't have to worry about a line. You don't have to worry about a system or a program. What you have to worry about is just being compassionate for the people. Have you ever been in a tough place? And I asked you this earlier. And, and it was difficult and it was a struggle. It was a hard time. You know... But then you found yourself in this place of just great peace in the midst of the storm. We've all been through storms, but it's when you find peace in the midst of the storm, it's when you're finding mercy in the midst of the storm. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I really want us to catch hold of this idea of being compassionate and merciful I was talking with an individual the other day, and, and I said, you know, they're doing this for this. It, it, 
they're doing this for you, and I won't put their name on blast, but because they love you. They're serving you because they love you. They're doing this because, and they were having a hard time receiving the love. And I was thinking about that with mercy and compassion. Have you been, ever been in a place where you have a hard time receiving God's mercy or God's compassion? You want to define yourself as a bad person and you want to rest in that, in that place. And I would challenge you in this is that God created you. God defined you. God purposed you. You cannot label you because he labeled you already. So receive his mercy. Receive his compassion. In this room right now, you're hurting. There's somebody in here, and I think there's more than one that's really hurting right now. I just sense that there's, there's this, this strong sense of regret. Ask yourself, what are you stuck in that, that you're causing yourself to have so much regret? Because God wants to take that from you. There is no regret when you're pursuing Christ. I don't know who that's for, but I know it's for somebody this morning. There is no regret when you're pursuing Christ. He can take what you've done, any, any ground you feel like you've lost, and he can reestablish you where he's purposed you for today. He can reestablish you. He created you. He can recreate you. I want you to know his compassion. I want you to know his mercy because I want you to be able to show his compassion. And I want you to be able to show his mercy. In Luke, we read of a parable. In Luke chapter 10, further up, it says... In verse 2, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord that the harvest of the har- Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And when you, when you go further down into Luke, he tells you of a story. And I say, well, God, what are the, what's the labor? What's the work that we're to do? Well, the work and the labor that we're to do as his followers is one that's full of compassion and mercy. Because in this parable, in the same chapter, in verse 25, he says, it says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, he's talking to Jesus, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law, what is written in the law how do you read it? And he answered, Jesus says this, or the the lawyer says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Jesus talking to the lawyer, Do this and you will live. And then the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? 
So if the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few, where are we supposed to be laboring? Who's the, the neighbor that we're supposed to be working for and helping out? And who is my neighbor I must love? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and you'll know this story, many of you. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed and leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came by, came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. Two people, a priest and a Levite, religious leaders, saw a man hurt on the side of the road and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, an average Joe, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you, more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So which of these three, Jesus asks, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. I don't know if you're the man that's beaten on the side of the road or if you're one of the three passing by. But I can tell you that two of the men participated in compassion and mercy the way Jesus designed church and life as we should know it to be. And that was to receive compassion and mercy wholly or to give compassion and mercy without any expectation of return. That's what being a Christian is all about. That's what being a believer is to be about. I look for the day, and the day will come, where there won't be churches identified by their name, but there'll be people that attend church identified by their compassion and mercy. This week, I encourage you, take time. Memorize verses. I got a scripture for you to memorize. It's in, this, it's in the Old Testament. Where's the passage? It's Micah 6.8, I believe. Yes. Micah 6.8 says this, He has told you, O man, what is good. We used to sing this song. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? Interact justly with one another. And to love kindness or mercy or compassion. To love it and to walk humbly with your God. We're not to go out to be compassionate, to make a name for ourselves as being very good and compassionate people. We're to walk humbly in it. We're supposed to be modest about it because, it's, again, it's not about ourselves. I was reading in my devotion time this morning, and it was, the section was talking about fasting. And and they just had it wrong. The fasting's not for us to, to gain any credit with, credits with God. Fasting is just to uh, put this flesh to sleep 
to kill the flesh so that the Spirit can rise up within us that much stronger. Have you ever encountered somebody that just, they seem unhappy or angry, constantly angry, a grumpy old man? I shared this a few weeks ago. I worked with one of them. And he was, he was from Texas. He was not a happy man. You'll remember the story. His, he had a loved one die, and I was able to ask him if I could pray with him. In some ways, it could have been ugly. He could have cussed me out because he knew how to. (laughs) But he didn't. He received it. Yeah, he tried to fight back the tears in an ugly, grumpy old man way. But he received the compassion. The worship team would come. Here's what I would like to do this morning, and and it's not me, I really believe, I really believe that this is for all of us to take time to consider and meditate on your own life for a moment. Are you the one that's struggling with regrets right now? Are you the one that doesn't feel worthy of anything nice? Because you have a father that likes to give good gifts? Are you in a place where you don't feel like you could receive a good gift? Have you been in trouble and so that's just who you are now? You're going to constantly be in trouble. I I remember growing up, one of my friends, that was his lot in life. He wanted to grow up and be in trouble all the time. I was like, well, I don't get it. Explain that to me. For, For him, that was his destiny. Because he hadn't come into a place of understanding what it's like to be forgiven and to have mercy and compassion. Are you somebody that needs to be looked in the eye and say, you know what? We care for you. We love you. Are you in a place that it's hard for you to have that conversation with people? Have you gotten to a place in your life where you've stereotyped so many folks that you don't like to be stereotyped as a Christian, but yet you'll stereotype people in their sin? That's a hard word. Because God sees everybody as his people created. They're either found or they're lost. They're his sheep. They're either lost sheep or they're found sheep. I just, that's my prayer this morning is that you would have eyes to see. That we all would have eyes to see. To see as Christ sees people. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, I I come to you because I'm not sure.